Good morning, DC family, or good afternoon, I should say. Welcome back to another edition of the Wizards of Gallery Plays podcast. As always, brought to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one source for local, professional, and collegiate sports. You can follow us on Twitter at DMV underscore SN, and be sure to follow our podcast account at WOGP underscore podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Frank. I am joined by Brendan, as always, today. Brendan, how's it going? It's going, man. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Um, for the listeners, we meant to have an episode out sometime earlier this week, but we had some scheduling conflicts, so I apologize for that. But we hope everyone had a thank- good Thanksgiving. Uh, Brendan, did you have a good Thanksgiving yourself? Um, yeah, I worked the morning, so I was, um, home in the afternoon. So our family, we don't do dinner. We do lunch. So we eat by like, uh, 12, 1230 ish. So by the time I got home around, uh, 230 ish, I mean, everyone had already eaten. So I had cold leftovers, but you know what? It's all good, man. I got to see my family. So, um, all good. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Cold leftovers and, uh, family. Right. Cool. Of course. Yeah, yeah, so, of course. um, Moving into the basketball portion of this podcast, which I guess this podcast is supposed to be about, um, we left off right before the Wizards went on a grueling four-game or daunting four-game road stretch, I should say. Uh, We were a little bullish on their prospects of winning maybe one game on the the road stretch, and that's exactly what happened. They went one and four, beating the Phoenix Suns, and they dropped games to the Nuggets, Clippers and Lakers. So before we go into the back-to-back home games they had, um, just looking at this road stretch where they went one and f- one and three. Um, Brendan, what did you see um, from the Wizards against this top-end competition that encouraged you, and maybe you weren't you weren't so happy about? I mean, again, I think it's really the same thing with the Wizards that we've seen basically the whole year. Now the offense is good, and I think can you know. Um, go up against anyone's offense and, you know, they can score with the best of them, but the defense again, just can't really hold anyone up. Uh, The Clippers game was not fun to watch. The Lakers game was really not fun to watch, but um, you know, obviously they won the Suns game. I had them going 0 and 4, but I was glad to see them come out with, I guess one win, which I guess you could have gotten out of me, but just, um, you know, the defensive struggles and all that. And the Suns are pretty good. Well, I mean, they have some offensive pieces, so I didn't know if, uh, you know, during that road trip, if they'd be able to keep scoring the way they have. And, I mean, of course, you know, they had 100-some points again, but... Um, yeah, 140. Yeah, I was, yeah, was happy to uh, see the, um, you know, the one win at least, so... Yeah, and that's a good win, especially when you consider the Suns are really not bad this year. I think they're right around 500, but they got off to a fast start, and we know they have some good players... Our uh, very own Kelly Oubre, he played pretty well, but uh, he couldn't get his revenge on uh, on the Wizards, at least not this time. But when you look at you know back-to-back games in the Staples Center against the Lakers and Clippers, the Wizards gave up a combined 275 points, and to the Clippers specifically, they gave up 150. Like when you're playing against what many consider to be the two best teams, and they were both at full strength um, in those matchups, when you give up that many points and struggle that much defensively, is it just like, oh, okay, well, there's only so much you can do against, um, you know, against the two best teams in the league? Or is it like, well, you should maybe have done this better or you should have done this better? Like, what can you take away from those games? No, I mean, uh, of course, you're, um, you know, you want to play 
you know, to win the game. They don't get any type of, you know, special treatment just because they're supposed to be this way. Like, no, you don't want to come in there and just get completely blown out by any team on any night. Now, during the course of an NBA season, is that going to happen? Of course it is. And sometimes it's even going to happen against teams that on paper, you know, you're supposed to beat. But, um, I mean, yeah, just the same defensive struggles that we've seen. uh, None of it is surprising me to this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. And um, I guess just moving away from the road trip, since that basically caps that off, um, the Wizards came back home and they had back-to-back games against the Orlando Magic and the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, it actually, the results went flip-flopped as opposed to how many thought they opposed to how many people thought they would be. Um, they lost to the Magic by a score of 127 to 120, and they beat the 76ers and by a score of 119 to 113, but it really probably wasn't as close as the score indicated because the Wizards were leading by double digits for the majority of the second half, and then the 76ers just kind of made it interesting late, but it never really felt like the Wizards were going to lose that game, which is surprising considering the uh, strength of their opponent. But Brennan, are you surprised that they beat the Sixers, or are you more surprised that they lost to the Magic, or, or what's your take on that? I would say that I'm more surprised that they beat the 76ers. I mean, I was telling you before we got on here, I hadn't even planned on watching it when I got home, like waiting to watch the recording just because I was like, man, they're going to get blown out. So I checked the score just to see how bad the slaughter was. And I saw we were up like 100 and something to like 87 or something like that. And I was like, holy cow. Right. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty good win. And then I got home and I – um, you know, watch the entire recording just to see kind of how things went down. I mean, I don't know how, and again, this is really going to depend on how competitive the Wizards are at the deadline. And, you know, um, do, you know, does Tommy really communicate with Bertans in this? But it's re- going to be really hard to just trade him away, even if it's for a first round pick, man. Like, that's a guy that you can keep and, like, really compete for a championship with. And, like, he'll really help you. Yeah, let's just, I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about Bertans because that's the elephant in the room. Like, so let me read you off these stats. So far in the month of December, obviously it's only three games, but Bertans is averaging 22 points on 50% shooting from three. That's on 11 and a half attempts. So he's making almost six, six threes a game in the past, over the past three games. And he's also shooting around 55% from the field. So... First of all, I mean, we've talked about Bertans all season about how good he's been. Um, does he still does this still surprise you when when he goes out like against the 76ers and makes career high seven threes, or is this kind of just what you're expecting from him at this point? Um, I wouldn't say expecting, but I mean, it's pretty common, I guess, right? Because this guy has been coming up and getting you know three three pointers a game, four three pointers a game, like it's. Um, but but then he's had those games where he doesn't hit any, and he's just ice cold. But I mean, the ga- he's had more games I would take closer to what we saw last night than closer to games to what you know um, we see when he doesn't make any. Right. So I mean, he's a pretty consistent shooter. But like I, I would expect consistently a night like two three pointers. Like that's a, I think a good thing to a solid average to expect from him. I don't know what his actual average is by the way. So. Um, I was just throwing that out there. I think two is reasonable. Yeah, but I think the most surprising thing to me is that I guess myself and probably a lot of other people had this perception um, when the Wizards actually traded for him that he was just kind of this standstill, spot-up shooter. 
like that would you that you would use in the pick and pop. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's a lot better shooting at difficult angles and shooting off the bounce and off the dribble than I think a lot of people actually knew. Like this dude hits yeah. tough, especially against the Sixers. He was hitting some tough, tough threes. Like he curls off a screen. Like they're running pin downs for a power forward, which is just crazy. Like you rarely ever see that. But yeah, I guess the elephant in the room is. A lot of people have already started talking about, you know, his trade value. Um, and for contenders looking for a shooter off the bench or maybe just like a spot starter, he's going to be a, a popular commodity. But the question becomes, should the Wizards trade him, depending on the return, or should they hold on to him? Um, he is a free agent after the season, so it's a matter of whether or not he'd resign. But like in your eyes, I know we've talked about this off the air a little but um, from your perspective, would you lean more towards trading him or keeping him? Um, I mean, if everything, you know, again, goes as planned behind the scenes and, you know, he's interested in re-signing him, and yeah, you keep him. I don't think that there's any reason to give him up. Wall has not had a shooter like this. I know people will talk about, you know, Bradley Beal and his shooting, but like Bertans, I think that we can agree that he is a way better spot-up shooter than Bradley Beal is. So he yeah. has not had like a shooter like this to and ever play a, that's with. That's not an insult to Beal. It's just a compliment to how good Bertans is. Yeah, right. Like we're like Brad isn't perfect at everything. Brad is the best player on the team. He's a top shooting guard in the NBA. But like you know that is like LeBron isn't the best shooter ever. You know either. You know so and you know Beal's added a lot to his game to make it so that he's not this one dimensional shooter. Like Beal can attack the rim and all that. Um, but yeah, anyway. But and Bertans is at the four position as well, so it's not like he's, you know, a wing shooter or anything like that. Like it's at a position where you're able to get some separation because the NBA has not, you know, one hundred percent transitioned to small ball yet and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's things that he can take advantage of being at that position and being that tall. You know, I think he's what six ten. Yeah, six ten. So yeah, some good height to him. So yeah, I, I say keep him though because when Wall comes back. Man, that's going to be a beauty. Yeah, because you think about all the guys through their careers that Wall has made better himself as as far as three-point shooting. Like, people like Trevor Reza and someone even like Martel Webster, those spot-up shooters on the wing, those guys have thrived playing with Wall. And Bertans is already way better at shooting than those guys were, and he hasn't even played with Wall. And obviously, I know you don't know how good Wall is going to be when he comes back, if he's going to be the same player, but... It's fair to assume that, like, he's not going to lose his passing ability. He's always been a pretty good playmaker, and he sees the court well, um, especially when he's finding three-point shooters. So if you take that into account, I mean, I don't see how Bertans wouldn't thrive um, when Wall comes back. Is that kind of how you're looking at it as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, like, what what return in a trade would it take for you to be like, okay, Tommy Shepard, you should pull the trigger? Because a lot of people floated just, like, a first-round pick, but – Let's say like a contender like the Bucks or like the Nuggets or something. I'm just thinking out loud. If they just offered a first round pick next year straight up for Bretons, like do you take that or would you ask for more? Well, see, that's the thing, right? Like it depends on where, um, you know, where the first round pick is. If it's going to be a team that, you know, um, you maybe can get into the high teens, low 20s for, um, I mean, I think that would be okay if it's like a team where it's going to be like, you know, the 28, 29, 30 range. I mean, I think that you have to ask for a little bit, you know, more in return. 
So I would say that a first-round pick and then a young player that's currently on his rookie deal or something like that that isn't on the final year of his deal is, you know, something that I would look for. Yeah, because the team with a high draft pick next year is presumably not going to give up their first-round pick um, for Bertans. If anyone's going to trade for him, it's going to be um, a playoff contender or a playoff shoo-in. But um, like, like you say, in the high teens or maybe the low 20s, do you, like, are you going to find a player in that range that brings more to the table than Bertans? Like, I, I can't imagine. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm all for you know, getting young prospects and developing them. But Bertans, it's not like he's he's thirty. He's only twenty seven years old. Right. Um, I don't know when his actual birthday is because that'll tell us when he's going to turn twenty eight. So let me pull that up real quick. Okay, so his birthday was in November, November twelfth. So he's not going to be twenty eight until next season. Um, yeah. So like, I don't see why you wouldn't just keep him. I mean, he's a good player and he's he's a hell of a shooter. Like that's just how I look at it. Yeah, I think that it's ultimately going to come down to will he be interested in resigning? And based on how he's being used and how valuable he is to the team, and given that it's still without arguably its best player, I mean, I don't see how you don't look at, you know, this as an interesting situation. Sorry about my dog, guys. Um, but I don't see how you don't look at this as an interesting situation for him to be like, okay, yeah, I do want to come back, but we'll know by the deadline what the situation is if he's interested in resigning then you know he'll be kept if he's not interested in resigning then you know he'll probably be dealt yeah and to me i mean i don't obviously i don't know Bertans personally but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's like gonna want to not force his way out but like he's not gonna want to play here like he seems to to be enjoying his time here uh he has a good relationship with beal and, and wagner and all those guys um so i guess we'll see but if he keeps playing like this I mean, his trade value is only going to increase. So Tommy Shepard in the front office, they're definitely going to have a, a tough decision on their hands. Um, before we talk about the injury bug, which has been hitting the Wizards pretty hard recently, I do want to also talk about Rui Hachimura's recent performance because um, after an up-and-down kind of tough stretch there late in November, he's really turned it on as of late. Um, in December, similar averages to Breton's. Um, in the past three games, he's scoring 24 points, seven and a half rebounds, uh, around 56% shooting from the field. Um, he had a career-high 30 points against the Clippers, and he followed that up two games later with 27 points against the 76ers last night. So, Brennan, how impressed have you been with Rui's performance um, over the past few games? Pretty impressive. I think that he had, I mean, I guess for his standards, what we would call a rough stretch, you know, and all rookies have, you know, a rough stretch at some point. And, you know, there was um, some games there where he didn't look, you know, 100%, you know, there, um, you know, mentally or, you know, obviously with on-court performance, but he's really picked it up lately. I did not watch the... The West Coast trip, I think I watched a little bit of the Suns game. And then other than that, I'm going to be honest. Or I watched the Nuggets game, actually, until halftime. But then um, after that, I was just – I didn't really care. So, um, uh, yeah, but Rui has been really good lately. It's been fun to watch him see. He is clearly way, way more polished than I think anyone would have expected him to be unless you really were a big Gonzaga fan or – you really did your research on this guy because I had no idea this was coming. Like, if you have a center on him, like, it is a mismatch. You go ISO every single time. And that's been a joy to see. So, 
Yeah, and I mean, obviously, when uh, after watching his like his pre-draft film and stuff like that, it was it was pretty reasonable to say he was he was going to be a solid offensive player, most likely. But I think yeah. what surprised a lot of people, including myself, is defensively, he's been pretty solid. Oh yeah, yeah, defensively is where he's really surprised me. Yeah, because he's been a lot better lately. Like I posted a video last night when I was doing some film stuff, and like he jumped a pick and roll, like something that. I had not seen really anyone do this year for the most part, so I was really impressed with that. But yeah, he looks like defensively he's locked in. Yeah, and he's not he's not averaging like crazy steals and blocks numbers. But to me, that's always steals and blocks are have always been a bit of an overrated uh, measurement of how good a player is defensively. Because if you just watch a Rui, it seems like he's getting a lot better defensively, especially um, compared to where he was at the beginning of the season. Um, he's just a high IQ player and he's strong enough and athletic enough to hold his own against a lot of, um, opposing players that he goes up against. So against the Clippers, I mentioned he had, uh, his career high 30 points and he, he, uh, held his own against Kawhi Leonard in many one-on-one defensive situations. And after the game, um, Paul George was asked about Rui Hachimura, um, in a post-game press conference. And this is what he had to say. Um, I'm just going to take a snippet from what he said. He said, We've seen a lot of rookies now this year, but he definitely stood out as one of the better players and one of the best players in the long run in this draft class. Um, he also said he's a good rookie, a really good rookie. It was great to see him for the first time. Um, so what does it say about Rui when he's garnering you know, high praise and respect from, from an established top 10 player like Paul George? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's, you know, something to see. And a lot of the Wizards, the younger Wizards have gotten praise like that too. Like, remember Thomas Bryant got praise from um, P.J. Tucker, you know, over the offseason, which P.J. Tucker, you know, is not just going to come out there and compliment a guy, you know. So, um, but through specifically, I mean, and from a guy like Paul George, I mean, yeah, that is very, you know, promising and it's good to hear. And certainly you want to see him keep up this level of production he's playing at so that he does improve and he can be, and he can be a, a franchise cornerstone. And, you know, the guy when eventually the wizards have to move on from wall and Beal, you know, you certainly don't hope that that's anytime soon, but I mean, the reality of the situation is that that's going to happen at some point and he'd see, need someone to take over and, you know, be that franchise guy. So, and that's what we want to see from Rui. And I think that all signs are pointing to right now is that he can be that guy. So, you know, good to get the praise, and, uh, you know, we just want to see him improve. Yeah, and um, I should also mention that Scott Brooks, after the game last night against the 76ers, he also had high praise for Rui. He said, um, he's good now as a young player. When you're a young player, everything is coming at you so fast, and you're learning so many things on the fly. His basketball IQ is so high, and it's going to get better just through all the experience. Um he also compared him to like an eight or seven year veteran, and he said he just chips away at the game. Um, that he's a winner, he plays hard, and he plays for the team. So uh, yeah, I mean that's good to see. You're getting praise from from uh, established veterans in the league on other teams like Paul George and then Scott Brooks, the head coach. Obviously, has good things to say as well. Um, so yeah, Rui's been playing really well, and uh, we hope that he keeps it up moving forward. Um, so another thing we should talk about is. As I mentioned, the injury bug, which um, the Wizards have been losing players pretty at a recent, pretty decent rate uh, recently. So we'll start with the the most, probably the most impactful injury, which is um, 
to Thomas Bryant, the team's starting center. He has a stress reaction injury in his right foot, I believe, and he's set to be reevaluated in three weeks. Um, Brennan, what's your thoughts on this injury and maybe um, the outlook at that position moving forward? I mean, I think that they'll be fine as long as Wagner's healthy. And Mahimi actually, okay, let's be honest. He looked like a dumpster fire offensively last night, but defensively, like, I thought he looked pretty good, right? Like, I guess you didn't watch it. Um, he, you know, he looked all right with what I saw, but I also saw this highlight um, where he was posting up, maybe against Embiid or something, and he did this spin move, and he lost yeah. the footing, and he yeah. just blew the ball above the backboard. That's the Jan Mahimi experience, though. You have it to, is. you know... You take the, you know, you take the bad with the good, you know. Yeah. But yeah, um, Brian out is going to suck. But I guess Wagner has been playing so well, and we haven't really seen a drop off when he's been in there. So if we still get, you know, starter level production from, um, you know, Wagner, I think that the Wizards will be okay. Um, at this point, I don't think that they should sign you know, a guy to be the backup or, you know, be the starter to keep Wagner off the bench or whatever. I think that they're fine with what they have there. But um, obviously I hope for Bryant to come back uh, sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, you want to see him a little bit maybe more refreshed and, um, you know, get his head together when he comes back. Because we want to see him play better than what we've seen so far this season. Yeah, uh, real quick before I touch on that, I'm just seeing this play now from last night um, where Davis was inbounding the ball to Beal and it hit the ball hit Jan Mahimi in the back of the head. Did you see this? Um, yes, yes. That's, yeah, that's hilarious. I don't know why it's so funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough break for Bryant specifically. I mean, he obviously, this is only a second year and, you know, expectations were high. Everyone had high hopes for him. And I know he had high hopes for himself. And he didn't get off to the greatest start this season. I mean, I think people were a little hard on him. Um, but, yeah, this injury, hopefully it's it's nothing too serious. But uh, one thing about, you know, stress reactions and foot injuries with big men is that they can be tricky. I mean, they can linger for a while. So he's supposed to be reevaluated in three weeks. But, you know, we'll see exactly his timetable um, when that comes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up missing – um, more time than people probably expect. But uh, do you know what a stress reaction is? Because like I know several of our players have had had those now over the years. You know, particularly Beal. But I, I've never known exactly what they are. Like, do you know what that is? So I don't know the exact um, like definition. I'm gonna actually pull it up right now. But I can. I know that like they. I know it's a type of injury that linger that can linger for like an extended period of time. And, like, I don't think it's something that heals right away. So that's what I say, like, when it can be tricky that um, it can be tricky yeah. because you don't know exactly, you know, it's hard to recover from that, especially when you're playing on it. Um, and I know, like, in the NFL, so uh, the Ravens' first-round pick uh, last year, Hayden Hurst, tight end, he had, this, he had a similar injury. Um, he had to get surgery on it, and he was not – he came back in, like, six or seven weeks, but he was not – um, he didn't look 100%. And, I mean, that's just an example. I know it's a different sport and everything, but while we're on the subject. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, in Bryant's absence, obviously they have Wagner and um, Jan Mahimi, who just came back from injury himself, as you mentioned. How do you think the minute allocation there between those two should be? Because, as we saw last night, um, both of them, I think Wagner had four fouls and Mahimi had five fouls or something like that. 
So in, in my eyes, I think Wagner should be getting the majority of minutes, like play him 30 plus minutes a night. Um, so long as he's not in foul trouble and then sprinkle in Mahimi there as well, maybe like 10 to 14 somewhere. Um, is, that, is that how you view it as well? Yeah, I would say 15 is a good cap for him. And then obviously you want to play Wagner. And then we've seen now in stretches, you can get away with playing Rui at the five, depending on the matchup. So that's what I would do at this point. Yeah. And Wagner has, he actually, I saw this. Um, I know uh, Justin Kutcher was talking about it on the broadcast last night. He leads the NBA in charges drawn, which I was not aware of. I know he, I know he does it a lot, but I did not know that he leads the league in that stat. Oh, I, I would have figured that. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely would have guessed that. If like I totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like, last... he, he takes like one or two every game. Like the kid's a monster, and you see now, like everyone else is trying to take some. Like, do you see that? Like how infectious that is. Like even if they're blocks, but like you appreciate the effort. Like this is now becoming like more of a team wide thing now. Yeah, because nobody wants to draw a charge. Like, that's not something anyone wants to do, is to take the brunt of the blow from a grown man, especially a big man, like, coming down the lane. But Wagner does it. The thing I love about Wagner, whether it's intentional or unintentional, is he just gets on dude's nerves, right? Like, he pisses everyone off. Like, Embiid last night, like, Embiid is usually more reactionary, but he was kind of more cool last night. I think it was because, like, he knew that the game was kind of a wash, but... Right. Um, like he was, he was irritated with Wagner, man. He was getting under his skin. Yeah, because Wagner actually played him pretty well. He, yeah, he did. He, I know he drew a charge. Me, I will yeah, add. I know Wagner drew a charge on someone. I'm not sure if it was Embiid, but then in the fourth quarter, there was a couple plays where he was called for a blocking foul. But like, you could easily have called those charges. I mean, he was in good position. Yeah. Like it's something. It's something he's good at, and it's an underrated, you know, component of the game. Because um, like he's not a great shot blocker or anything like that, but he has active hands. Like, he poked the ball away from Embiid uh, a couple of times on the fourth quarter last night. He has active hands, and he usually is in uh, good position defensively, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Bryant's injury, you know, you know, frankly, it sucks. Like, you don't want to see that for a player like that, especially a player we both love. But uh, hopefully he just rests up and, and he recovers fast. But um, with Wagner and then I guess Mahimi, to a lesser extent, the Wizards are in decent hands. Um, while he's gone, so it could be a worse situation. Jan Mahimi could be the starter, and we could have some smuck off the bench. So yeah, that's true. It could be. Um, so another injury um, that was just announced the other day is uh, Jordan McRae. I believe he had a screw or so he had he had surgery or something like that, and he's supposed to be reevaluated in two to three weeks as well. I believe, and McRae has actually been pretty good. He was injured earlier in the season, but. When he's played, he's been effective off the bench, and then he's actually finishing games late in the fourth quarter. So, so what's the impact of his injury here in your eyes? Yeah, this one hurts a little bit because um, now you're without, you know, what I think was a decent scoring component to, you know, how successful or to the Wizards' offense because he was, you know, such a good score. So, um, yeah, now they're down a piece off the bench, you know. But I think that, again, as a team, that they'll be able to overcome it. But um, McRae is a guy that can go iso ball, which we know is valuable in Scott Brooks' system because, um, you know, this year they've done a little bit better at it, but typically it's like they run their one set and then it's kind of iso ball if nothing is there. Right. So he's valuable in terms of that. But, I mean, obviously you want to see these guys get right. And obviously it's not like he's – 
injured, right? Like they're just taking the pin out of his hand and they just want to give it time to recover. So it's not like he's, you know, re-injured again or something. At least I don't think, right? Yeah, so he had the initial um, procedure back in October with the finger injury. And um, reading the report now, he had a, he just had a second surgery. It's on his right ring finger. So yeah, he's just having the pin um, inserted and then removed, and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, as I mentioned. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, not not a not an extremely significant injury by any means, but I mean, it could and it's be... only like they said two weeks, right? Yeah, that's when he's going to be reevaluated. So I guess we'll. I see. think he'll be back then. Yeah, but McRae has been good. Like I mean, maybe not good, but he's been solid, um, and in his time on the court this season. Um, well, he was a guy that most people were wanting to come back, including myself. Like, I wanted him to come in this year being the backup, too, because, like, this guy is, you know, obviously can get a bucket. Um, you know, he knows the system. I didn't see the point in going out there and trying to spend a decent chunk of change on a guy when you have a guy that's very capable and being a six-man, you know, and Jordan McRae. So, um, you know, not that he, you know, is the six-man on this team, but, uh, you know, he could be, you know, if push came to yeah. shove so and he's a guy obviously that's a little versatile right like he can play the two he can play the three he can put the ball on the floor um can shoot it a little bit his set shot is kind of trash but like off the bounce he can beat you a little bit um he's got some defensive ability there obviously a very lengthy player six five um athletic so i mean yeah mccray's gonna help and i hope he continues to help when he comes back from the injury yeah, and McCray was, as you mentioned, the primary two off the bench. And the Wizards don't really have another backup shooting guard specifically, but um, I don't think so. Could have filled in at that role maybe as CJ Miles, but unfortunately, yeah. Miles, after missing the start of the season with an injury, he had a wrist he had wrist surgery done um a few days ago, and he is supposed to be back maybe in March, but it's a it's a four to, four month injury somewhere around there, so. Just thinking out loud here, by that time when he comes back, you know, if the Wizards aren't in playoff contention, it's hard to imagine him getting back on the court. I mean, it's possible that he could be bought out since he's a veteran, but, I mean, it does suck for Miles because he really wasn't even able – He really, excuse me, he wasn't able to get in the groove really with the team this year, and now any trade value he may have had is kind of just out the window. Yep. Um that's the thing that sucks. The only thing that you can hope, you know, now if you want to, you know, see him or, you know, um, see him still be valuable to the Wizards is you want to see them make the playoffs, have him come back and have him, uh, you know, make some shots off the bench in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's what you're hoping for. I mean, again, if this team is healthy and again, I don't mean to get too ahead of myself, but like if they do make the playoffs and Wall comes back, like I think this is, you know, you have a decent starting five and a decent bench, right? Like, like they could shock someone, you know, depending on who they play. Yeah, and that's obviously looking down the line. But, I mean, Miles was was by no means going to be like a key component of this team. But as a veteran and a veteran 3 and D guy off the bench, I mean, it kind of hurts to lose him. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see what kind of impact that has down the line. Um, another injury that just happened last night was Isaiah Thomas, who didn't play against the 76ers with a left calf strain. Um, and then Sorry. In, his ab- <laughs> in his absence, the Wizards went on to play maybe their best complete game of the season. So is that a coincidence yeah. that he wasn't on the court and the Wizards played really well? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, lo- we like Isaiah as a person, but I know we- we've kind of harped on him a lot. Um, 
Over the Just past play Chioza or Robinson. Like, how hard? Like, and I know that, you know, he came here to be the starter. You know, we needed someone in the offseason at the time. So, but it's like, at this point, like, dude, what are we doing? Like, just play the people that are going to be here longer term. Like, the people that are actually going to help you win. Ishmael starting is fine, so hopefully it stays like that now, even when IT comes back. And so maybe that was part of the whole... I, I don't know. But anyway, um, they need I to mean, keep Ishmael as the starter. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm saying they need to keep Ishmael as a starter. And it's okay to play Chioza or Robinson for some minutes there where you necessarily wouldn't play IT. Like, I don't know... What the deal was behind it, maybe part of the deal with him signing was, is okay, if I'm healthy, I am going to be the starter. So I don't know if that was a part of it or not, but it's like, man, just play the guys that are going to help you win. Because I guarantee you, Robinson would help a lot more than IT would be at this point, or even Chioza. Yeah, and Ishmith has been playing really well, and he's been a component of the Wizards' success when they win. So I saw, I think Oz tweeted this out uh, last night or something, but in games where Ish has played more than 20 minutes, the Wizards are 7-8, and eight, and they have not won a game um, when he's played less than 20 minutes. So it seems like there's something there with Ishmael. Yeah. And like yeah. you said, Chioza, Chioza's on a two-way deal, and he's, he's taking over as the primary backup point guard, at least when Isaiah was out. And that's a little weird to me because I expected maybe Justin Robinson to be in that role since they yeah. invested more in him. So like, do you think that's more of a compliment to Chioza, or maybe just Justin Robinson's not ready yet? How, how do you think that plays out? I mean, Robinson was an undrafted rookie from Virginia Tech, so, I mean, like, what are we, you know? I mean, I'm not trying to knock him or whatever, so right. I guess my answer is more of a compliment to Chioza, but Chioza's been around longer. Um, Robinson's still trying to get used to NBA basketball, so why I think he would still get some value out of playing him now, but if you're talking about going out there and trying to win games, like, between the two, I mean, yeah, I'd play Chioza, too. Yeah, and Chioza also has more experience with, with the system and with this team, so he's probably a little more comfortable out there, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much the injuries the Wizards have had. It's not ideal, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse, so we just hope those guys get healthy sooner rather than later, and we'll see how that plays out um, and manifests in the coming weeks. Um, yeah. If we have another injury and we end up signing Joakim Noah, I'm jumping off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, I know people have had, I've seen some people calling for that on like, Twitter. Why? Like, why? Are you serious? Like, Joakim Noah, do you really want him? But I guess, I don't know. No, I don't want that. I don't want to hear the screaming every game. Like, Beal's going to go deaf before the season ends. <laughs> yeah, um, so what was I about to say? Yeah, I don't know. We got off track there with Joe Noah, but do you remember um, watching Joe Noah like in the Bulls playoff series against the Wizards a while yeah, back? Yeah, gets fathered by Nene. Yeah, I remember that. How do you forget that? He's just like, he was the most annoying player to play. I'm not saying play against, but like to watch and root against. Like that dude just got on everyone's nerves, I think. And, and that's part of his role, right? Like his role is to get under people's skin because, you know, he's not the most talented player in the world. And I know that that year we played them. He was, I think, did he end up getting Defensive Player of the Year, or was he just, like, a finalist? I think he actually did get it, right? Yeah, I think he got it, and he was one of the, the MVP, or he was up there, at least, in the voting. Huh. Because he was, like, he had that year where, at, I don't think he put up, like, great numbers, but he averaged, like, like 12 points, 12 rebounds, and he had, like, seven assists, and the Bulls were, I think, overachieving that season. And he was yeah. kind of like playing really well, so it was a narrative thing. 
I still remember picking the Bulls in five in that series. Which, yeah, I think a lot of almost everyone picked the Bulls in five or six. Yeah. But that was fun, man. I miss those Wizards. Those were some of my favorite teams. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so what I was going to say is that um, Scott Brooks has also kind of been uh, tinkering with the rotation a bit. So he's it seems he seemingly replaced Troy Brown Jr. in the starting lineup in place of uh, Isaac Bonga or Isaac uh, Bonga. I'm not sure how to say it exactly. But, uh, yeah, so Bonga has been starting at the three, and then Ishmith has been at the one, uh, at least when IT was out. Um, so Brown has been kind of, I don't want to say delegated or, or demoted, but I mean, he's coming off the bench now as opposed to where he was starting. Um, he's he's actually been pretty solid in the two games since he's been coming off the bench. But um, what do you think was, was going into this decision for Brooks to replace um, TBJ with uh, Bonga in the starting lineup? I think that from the beginning of the season where we saw Brown come in, because remember he came in, uh, for those of you that don't know, he didn't start the season because of an injury. So when he came back, he was off the bench. He has been better in those games off the bench and including the ones where he's been in recently off the bench than the ones where he started. Right. So I don't know if it's about trying to get him in a groove or if it was really, you know, just a knock on him and taking him out of the starting lineup because he wasn't getting it done. But, I mean, eventually you want to see him go back as the starter. So I don't know if they're just trying to keep him for the bench right now to, um, you know, give them a legit option since everyone is injured right now and the team is really banged up, or if this is going to be a permanent thing and they're going to go back to starting Bonga, which I didn't necessarily hate to start the year. Like, Bonga is a solid player. He gets a lot of bull crap, you know, foul calls, like I think a lot of Wizards players do. But, um, I mean, Bonga plays tough, man, and he gets gets in everyone's face. He doesn't care if you're LeBron James. He doesn't care if you're James Harden. Like, he's going to go out there and try and guard you. Yeah, and, I mean, my question is, like, could you potentially start both of them? Like, start Bonga at the one and then Troy at the three or just have those two spots kind of be interchangeable? I mean, I know we've talked about Ish Smith, um, how good he's done as the starting point guard. But, like, you know, in terms of experimenting, what do you think about that lineup with those two guys both on the floor at the same time? I think I think that's possible. And that'd give them some size in the backcourt, which they're missing some size in the front court. you know, um, right now a little bit with Bryant being out. So... And especially in those lineups where you play Rui at the five, like, yeah, I could see that as something where you put Troy in there to run the offense. So, uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and I think that would be especially effective against, like, a team last night, like the 76ers, who are so long and so big um, at all five positions. Because having Troy and Bonga, both 6'7", six, 6'8", six, plus wings with long wingspans, you know, that takes some pressure off Beal um, in the backcourt and on the perimeter defensively. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see if Brooks decides to go with that lineup at times this season. But, um, yeah, Bonga has not been bad. I mean, both players are really young. Troy Brown's 19, Bonga's 20. So you're not expecting too much too much from either player. But I think fans have just been kind of disappointed more so with Brown because the Wizards invested a first-round pick in him. And, I mean, I, I think his struggles were more so um, because he wasn't being used in the right way. Like, as an off-ball wing, I don't think that's where he's going to thrive. But maybe off the bench, he can have the ball more in his hands. And uh, yeah. maybe, I mean, maybe it's as simple as he's not ready for a thirty-minute per game starting role. Like, and that might be okay. Like yeah. maybe, maybe as 15, 15 to twenty-five minute guy, that's where he's best suited right now. Yeah, that's a possibility. But I mean, eventually, you know, you do want to see him 
be a starter and going into next year, like they're not going to have like all this money to spend on, you know, a starting small forward, you know, a quality, you know, like a proven veteran starting small forward. So Troy Brown's going to be expected to, you know, be the starting small forward next year and all that, assuming they don't sign anyone else or they somehow don't free up an insane amount of money, which I don't know how they're going to do that. But so you're expecting him to be a big piece, a part of, um, you know, the Wizards going forward. So eventually, I personally would like to see him go back to the starting lineup. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously it's out of our hands. So, And he's playing yeah. well right now coming off the bench. So if, if that's what it's about right now, you know, getting the best out of these guys. And, I mean, I guess you got to give Brooks credit. Yeah, and, I mean, fans have to remember that I don't want to say this is basically Brown's rookie season, but – like, his rookie season last year was almost that of a redshirt season. Like, he barely played, and when he did play, his minutes fluctuated. And until the end of the season, like the last eight, eight to 12 games, he really didn't carve out a role. He was kind of bouncing back and forth between the G League. So, like, let's just be patient with the guy. And if he's not starting, let's, let's you know, just let him grow off the bench and carve out a role for himself. That's really all you can ask from him. Um, yeah. Moving forward. But, uh yeah, I guess that pretty much sums it up. So the Wizards are seven and thirteen. Um, they're right outside the eighth seed, I think, still in the standings. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and preview the upcoming stretch real quick. Um, so the Wizards are taking on the Miami Heat tonight on the road, and Sunday they're playing the Clippers again. This time at home. Oh man! And then they're going on a three-game road stretch um, against the Hornets, the Grizzlies, and the Pistons. So I guess we'll just preview um, the next two games, and then we'll try to get an episode out before Tuesday. Um, if not, then, you know, we'll see what happens. But So they're playing the Heat and the Clippers. These are two tough games back-to-back. Do you think they have a chance to win either of these? Nope. <laughs> so you're just chalking up two losses? Yep. <laughs> what if Kawhi doesn't play? What if he load manages on Sunday? Same thing? Then we'll only lose by 12. All right, so, yeah, I think I'm pretty much we're in the same boat. Um, so they'll be seven and fifteen if they lose these two games. I mean, it is what it is. Um, anything else you want to touch on on the upcoming stretch? Or that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I just, I really, I feel bad for them because, like, I really thought that you know now they've got a road stretch out of the way, they can come home and start racking up some wins and keep making that final run towards that eight seed as the season goes on. And and they're you know they're only two and a half games out, right? So it's not like they're out right now, but. It's really going to suck without all the injuries because this is a time like right now, like it couldn't have been a worse situation. Yeah, it's tough because they have all these, they have these tough games coming up on the schedule. Now they have the injuries and stuff. So if, if they can somehow survive, you know, if they do manage to steal one of these games somehow, I mean, that would be, that'd be very impressive. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll um, see. But luckily the schedule I, is lightening up um, after these two games on the road stretch. Yeah, so. Hopefully they'll pick up some wins, man. Again, they're not out of it. They just got to keep plugging along, get a piece back at a time. And, um, you know, hopefully we're sitting here looking at who we're going to be playing in the playoffs in a few months. So, Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, did you want to do that? I know we were talking about that segment off air. Um, we were going to compare Wizards players to to rappers and other music artists. Like, did you want to do that oh, now man. or maybe save that uh, for the next episode? Man, we got to... I'm going to have to do some research on that to do some comparing, but we will definitely do that next episode, guys. So if you're interested in that, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be extremely funny and probably embarrassing on my end. 
but that's yeah. what this is all so about. So basically, for the listeners that are confused right now, um, Brandon tweeted out something last night where he said that he was saying that he didn't like Kendrick Lamar. So then I texted him, and I was like, yo, like, what are you talking about? Kendrick's one of the goats. And then we kind of went back and forth, um, and I was like, you know what? We should take this to the pod, and we should compare Wizards players to modern-day music artists. So that's kind of what we're going for, but we got to do more research. Um, I will say that the one that came off the top of my head was that Davis Bertans is similar to Baby, And what I mean by that, I will explain in the next episode. So you'll just yeah. have to wait and see. Stay tuned, guys. It's going to be the best. I mean, it's we're probably going to know what we're talking about more about that and what we do about the Wizards on a daily basis. So you're not going to want to miss it. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be groundbreaking stuff. Uh-oh. Groundbreaking stuff, guys. So yeah, I guess that pretty much sums it up. Um, anything you want to plug before we head out, or uh, just go Wizards, baby, win, please. <laughs> Yeah, just win. So uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye, guys.